0: Today on the Zabecast, well, 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 looks like the Super Bowl had a huge officiating mistake. We going to go back and play the game all over again? We'll talk to our friend Tom Lavero of the Washington Times, columnist, radio host, podcaster, old school to the bone. We'll talk union blues and baseball, Bryce Harper and more. All that plus a TV commercial that has sent my nutritionist over the edge. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. (laughs) Ho, ho, ho. Just how exactly do you go from being a major league pitcher who banked 40 million in your career to being a drug mule caught with 40 plus pounds of Colombian bam bam. Ask Esteban Loiza, who was just pinched yesterday, holy shit for drug trafficking, 40 plus pounds of the hard stuff. Mo money, mo problems. Tuesday, Feb 13, 2018. Thank you for your download and with your earballs, Let's go have some fun today, huh? What do you say? Let's start with something random because this podcast, I think, should include some random life stuff of mine that I would otherwise not bore my audience with on radio. And I was buying something on Amazon the other day. I know. Shocker, right? And it was electronics. I know. Shocker. And I decided I was going to return it. I know. Shocker. It was the Griffin PowerMate Bluetooth volume knob. What the hell is that? I know what you're saying.
2: What the hell did you just say?
0: Said the Griffin PowerMate Bluetooth audio knob. It's actually a slick little thing if it worked with the device I wanted it to work with. It's a little brushed aluminum knob that sits alone, doesn't have a cord because it uses Bluetooth. And it will control the volume on your computer. And you can put the knob, which runs on three AA batteries. It's about the size of, like take a Coke can, cut the top off it. That's about the size of it. It's got a little light on the bottom. Very slick. And would have been totally useful if it only worked on iPads, which it does not. Because I like to set up my iPad to have audio out to play sound bites from while doing my radio show. And the problem with it is if you want to ride the levels on the iPad... There's a little button, and he got to futz with it. Just, you want a knob. They just grab. So for whatever reason, the good folks at Griffin, and I bear them no ill will on this, they did not make it to work with the iPad. Maybe the next generation will. Who knows? I actually have one of those knobs that's a USB-cabled knob that you plug into your computer, and it works wonderfully. It's a very slick thing. So that said, I I, I find out only after I've purchased it through Amazon that it does not work on iPads. Pissed. Okay, fine. Box it up. Go to the return. Click, click, click. I get a message from Amazon saying, because this is a hazardous materials device, we cannot accept a return. You'll have to contact the vendor or the seller. I'm like, what? Get the fuck out of here with that. Hazardous. It's got three AAA batteries. You got to be kidding me, right? So I email Amazon saying, "Come on. Get 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 this handled. Tell me what I need to do, where I need to go, what Hazmat facility I have to drop this off at." There's a back and forth with the email exchange and it seems like it's resolved, but it's not resolved. So I finally after a couple of days go, "God damn this thing. I'm sitting in my office. I'm not going to eat the 60 bucks on it." So I email Amazon again with a more sternly worded Hey, get this shit handled, will you? I'm sick of this crap. Turns out there was actual human beings that must have been reading it because of my saucy language. They jumped right to it. It was not a computer. It was not an algorithm. And the seller, Griffin, Griffin Technologies, sent back an email through Amazon that said, don't worry, uh, Mr. Zabin, your return has already been handled. There's nothing else you have to do. You will see a credit in a couple of days. Boom, that's it, done. And I'm like, uh, don't you want the knob back? Apparently not. Now, they can't possibly do this with everybody who's going to return the Griffin PowerMate Bluetooth volume knob, can they? Did they, and this is the question, did they notice in my email, or did they Google search my name, is it possible? That I was able to execute a, do you know who I am, without me even having to ask, do you know who I am? That would be weird, because I'm not a big deal. I have no ability to impact the stock price, if they're even publicly traded, or the bottom line of the good folks at Griffin Technologies. But maybe they thought, eh, you know what, the guy does have a few Twitter followers. Maybe we should just go ahead and handle this. Or maybe Amazon ate it. So I have a $60 Griffin USB or Bluetooth PowerMate knob, which I don't really need for my computer, but I've got it. So hello, eBay. Speaking of that, I sold my Apple Watch on eBay. So if you're keeping score at home, and I know you are, you regular listeners, I now have bought two Apple Watches, returned them both, Bought a third one a year ago, and I have now sold that third one on eBay. Sold it for $200. I think I bought it for 300 330 whatever the number was. It was the bottom line Apple Watch. Here's the reason why, plain and simple. I was figuring out, I was looking, I rarely ever use the tiny little text message thing on the watch. I know I will see text messages come in, and I will sometimes use the voice text back, Feature on the Apple Watch. But I realized, because I usually mop up and delete most of my messages as I go along, just out of habit and just out of security reasons, not that I'm hiding anything, but you know, I don't want people reading my texts. I found out that when you delete a text on your phone, it does not automatically then tell your watch, hey, that message is gone, so delete it from the watch. I was like, this, wait a minute, this is fucking crazy. Really? So I Google search and what's going on with this? Sure enough, that's the case. They they made some you know on one of the Apple message boards they made some bullshit excuse about how well we can't uh, on all devices. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like this is nuts, and I said that's it. I'm going to sell the damn thing. Really, you're going to worry about that? That you're going to sell an Apple Watch? it was the last thing that pushed me over the edge. There is more to it as well in that. When I got the watch, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to be able to get myself a simple watch face uh, you know, because you can customize it. They say you can customize the design of your of your Apple watch face. Oh, great. Okay. I wanted just right across the front, I wanted three double-digit numbers, hours, minutes, seconds. Boom. That's all I wanted. Basically, I wanted a digital broadcast clock that was accurate to the second and showed seconds, and I wanted straighted across. I wanted it straight across. The only version of that they have with Apple Watch is one that also has this gaudy, stupid looking activity spiral that also measures how far you've run and walked during a day. You could not customize it. You could not customize you could not customize it. You couldn't customize it. not to my liking. Yes, there is some limited customization. Yes, there's about, let's say 30 different watch faces. With Apple Watch. But there should be infinite. There should be an app for the Apple Watch called Watch Face Laboratory. And you can then mix and match, plug and play, rearrange like little domino tiles on your watch face. Okay, I want the temperature here and I want the stopwatch button there and I want the time here and I want the date here and I don't want this. You can do that to a certain extent, but not entirely. And that was pissing me off. And again, like I said, i it's not like I'm worried about my wife seeing my texts to anybody. But I wouldn't want my watch to be left behind at work and somebody who knows how an Apple Watch works and go, huh, let me take a look at this and go into my text because, oh yeah, I would say that I have motherfucked a few co-workers via text behind their back for various things over the years. Don't need them seeing that. I would admit that maybe me and a co-worker whose name might rhyme with Mott, Finn, exchange pictures of our proudest brown trout club catches. I mean, I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I'm just being honest. It's a podcast. I can be honest, right? Nobody needs to run into that. So uh, I've sold the iWatch or the Apple Watch. Eh, It just doesn't. Doesn't do it for me. I was gonna lose it anyway. It was just a matter of time, gonna lose it. So I got two hundred bucks, scrape back two hundred, down hundred bucks for a, a year of use. Probably not the worst deal in the world. The AirPods, though, I highly recommend. The AirPods are actually really good, and I recommend them. Most importantly, for making phone calls, because the AirPods have two different microphones on each. They have a microphone on each AirPod, and they they use special voodoo to, yeah, that's a technical term, they use technological voodoo to cancel out noise and to give you the best sounding phone call possible. The AirPods are fantastic for making calls. They're okay for listening to music. As far as jogging in the AirPods, I don't jog, number one. Number two, I wouldn't feel totally confident. I would think that they would work out of my ear. I don't really, my ears don't hold those things super well. Well enough that I've been walking the dog in the AirPods, no problem. Jogging, I really haven't tried it. All right, on with some sports. All right, let's get to it. Mike Pereira said recently that, yes, the Philly special trick play at the end of the first half in the Super Bowl that has now become the subject of thousands of tattoos in Philadelphia and beyond and T-shirts and posters, the whole schmear. Mike Pereira, rules guru for Fox Sports, former head of the NFL's officiating department, has said, unequivocally in his opinion, illegal formation. <gasps> illegal formation should have been a penalty. Well, well, well. As as uh, who's the detective that Brian loves? Well, my, my, my. Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Well, my, my, my. The NFL, for the record, has said it was a judgment call as to whether or not Foles was lined up correctly in that play and that he was essentially close enough. Pereira has said, yeah, no fucking way. That's a penalty. They missed it. So, yeah. Believe who you want to believe. Also, in the Super Bowl, the whole thing about what is a catch and what is not a catch, and the fact that the two catches were upheld and not overturned, and I agree with both, although I thought the Clement catch was very close and normally would have been overturned. that was a normal game during the season, I believe 1,000% that gets overturned. But what did the commissioner begin the week with? A press conference in which catch-no-catch consumed a good 15 minutes of his entire presser. So you don't think that it's possible, because I do, that Al Riveron and Gene Steratore were either consciously or subconsciously dancing to the tune that the commissioner wanted in terms of, look, we're not going to have some great play overturned by some ticky-tack, bullshit, microscopic interpretation of, well, the ball moved. I think it did, absolutely. And I think the Eagles benefited. The other one that was a clear touchdown by Ertz, it had shades of Jesse James written all over it, because of the way the play looked, but it was way different in terms of how many steps he took, how far away he was, uh, the fact that he did run even though it was horizontal, he got clipped uh, at the legs of the goal line, a lot of things that went differently. Here's the audio, though, of Gene Steratore on the replay. This is from NFL Films and inside the NFL. It's interesting, they had him mic'd up, and this is what he was saying to Alberto Riveron as they both looked at the play. Steratore was looking at it on the tablet, of course, Riveron is looking at it in New York. Let's go to that angle and let me look at that first one. Now you know what's gonna I mean. This back with the left there. That's all. That's all control. That's all control, babe. That's all control, babe. Ba- Did he call him Babe or Bay? That's all control, babe. That's <laughs> all control, big guy. Big guy, you big teddy bear, you Alberto. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, I agree with you. Way to go, boss. You're the best. To review, the ruling on the field stands. <laughs> it's stuck. It sticks here, and then it goes there, but it never... He's now explaining it to, like, his side judge during a timeout, the following timeout. control. Is there a little ball movement? Yes, but that does not deem loss of control you know, he goes from here, sticks
2: on the forearm, right back to the hand, touchdown. Good
0: audio there. I still love Gene Steratore. He is a total showboater, though. He's got that chest puffed out, his arms back kind of swinging. In fact, I saw someone from WEEI in Boston doing a Gene Steratore impersonation on Twitter. It was pretty funny. And you know, he's cocky, he's the index card guy, Gene Steratore, Great ref, though. Him and Hockley are the best, no question about it. So yeah, that was the audio of him upholding the call. Here's what it kills me. Define control. Go ahead, define it. You tell me what is control. He said movement doesn't equal loss of control. Oh, it doesn't. So does a loss of contact with the ball mean loss of control? Well, yeah, of course, duh. Well, how much loss of contact? Two fingers? Four fingers? A palm? How long do you need to lose control? What if it is a split second in which the ball separates from your hands? Let's say the ball is just rattling in between your two giant football player hands, sort of like uh, uh, a, a parrot inside a cage rattling around. It's not getting out, but it's not touching the actual side's of the cage. Is that control? You can't define it. So they're going to change the catch rule in the off season. There's no question about that. Who knows what they're going to come up with. I predict it will fail because they're just putting more and more coats of paint on something that needs to be stripped down, bare to the metal, and either left unpainted or with a very thin coat of paint at best. They're just going to slap a new layer of explanation on it. And what's going to happen is, if it dials back the severity of the requirements for a catch to be a catch, it means that past victims of this bullshit rule, like the Cowboys with Dez or the Steelers with Jesse James, they're going to feel wronged again. If it was me, it would piss me off even more if they changed the rule so that the exact same play that I got fucked on as a football fan ends up now being perfectly legal and is cool. But that's just me. Television news, Good Morning Football, which is produced by Embassy Row for the NFL Network with Kay Adams, Kyle Brant, Nate Burleson, Peter Schrager, is moving into new digs. Apparently it's moving from the CBS Studios, where it had been originating, uh, to Times Square, uh, in Manhattan, and the show is apparently doing very well. So reports Sports Business Daily. They call it a breakout hit for the NFL Network. I don't know the actual numbers, but they're obviously very pleased with it. It's a good show. I like the, the guys and gal on the show, and I like the way they do it. According to Sports Business Daily, the show will retain the format in its new digs. And they say that the show talks football in an entertaining way and rarely covers entertainment, and they don't wade into politics. The show was the NFL network's first to originate from New York and outrated the network's previous shows like NFL AM, which was produced in Los Angeles. I remember when they were doing the NFL network morning show from LA, and uh, LeVar Arrington, former Redskin linebacker, former Redskin, or former local Washington, D.C. sports radio host, LeVar Arrington, he got that gig doing that show. And I remember guys that know him talk about how bad it was that he had to be up at 2 a.m. at least to start taping or to start doing the show live at 3 a.m. in the morning in California for a 6 a.m. East Coast window of, okay, here's the morning show on the NFL Network. Why executives would think that 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 would work is beyond me. I know the way NFL, I know the way that broadcast executives think. They they always think, well, eh, no big deal. So, you know, it's an early wake-up, but I'm sure our talent will do it. We'd love to have it here in-house in L.A. because this is where the NFL Network is headquartered, and we've got all our resources and all of our editors, and we have access to various guests who might want to come on the show. That's what the pinhead management would say, whereas talent would go, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel like we're doing a show in the middle of the night. I know this having done my show for Fox Sports Radio many, many years ago for short periods of time, like a day or two or a week at most, from the L.A. studios. It just felt different. It felt like an overnight show. You can't explain it unless you're actually talent and you actually get it. Well, sure enough, that show really didn't get much traction. And they decide, well, okay, maybe we'll spend a little money to rent out a studio from CBS and have our talent in New York. And lo and behold, it's working. It's also working because, you know, the four principals are doing a good job. I mean, they're all pretty likable guys, gals. I mean, Kay Adams, who doesn't want to look at lovely, spunky Kay Adams, football loving Kay Adams. Hey, Kay, do great work. Kyle Brandt used to be a take writer for Jim Rome. I kid you not. Yes, he would write Jim Rome's takes, some of them at least. Schrager comes from, I'd have to look that up. I think he was a football writer uh, for CBS Sports. So he got thrown into the mix. Eh, he's just okay. And Nate Berlinson is the only ex player. So think about that. The show's succeeding because A, it's in New York where it should be, East Coast. And B, Kay Adams didn't play. Cal Brandt didn't play. Peter Schrager didn't play. Nate Burleson, your only ex-jock. That's the perfect number. You get too many ex-jocks in there, they start talking like jocks, and they can't relate to the average fan. So good for them. I would think that ESPN would love to get into that sort of mode where they are seen as, hey, you talk sports in an entertaining way and you rarely cover entertainment, or get into politics. That's what I think they're furiously at ESPN trying to swim back to but i don't know if they can ever get there because one their urge to get back into politics is too strong it's part of their dna almost and they also have a reputation they have a rep they have a rep and they have a history and so for viewers like me and millions of others we remember we've been lectured to by espn already and many times and loudly, and you cannot unring that bell. Tom Lavero is the man. I really feel like he is my older brother, uncle, cousin. He knows so much about so much. I'm glad he is thriving, even though he's no longer on our station, doing a variety of things, and I caught up to him this week to talk about, well, all the things that I've missed over the last who knows how many months. All right. All right, very good. All right, the godfather, I like to call him. Man, I haven't talked to this guy in forever. Tom Levero from the Washington Times and 106.7 WJFK. More importantly, Tommy, from Cigars and Curveballs, your wildly successful podcast.
2: Dave, this is like a Valentine's present to me, getting a chance to talk to you and be on the podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, good, from one podcaster to another, here we are, here we talk. You know, some stories break and I instantly go, Damn it, i got to hear what Lovey has to say about this. Because it fits certain wheelhouses of yours. And the first thing I want to ask you about is this Ron Borges story up in Boston.
2: You know, this is hard for me, because Borges is a good friend. He is. I've I've known Borges for 25 years. uh, And I would swear by him, uh, but he made a mistake. Uh, And in this day and age... You have to have your antenna up all the time. And he made a mistake by buying into the text that he got that it turns out to be just from some sports talk radio listener uh, pretending to be Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee. And, uh, you know, he he trusted it. And you can't you you, especially when it comes to uh, electronic communications, you just have to be extra vigilant.
0: Yeah. Well, and, I, read he, whole, I read the whole I read the sequence because I saw just snippets on Friday, and my first reaction was, ha-ha, what an idiot Borges is. He deserves it because in this world of information, it's like spies and counter-spies and CIA agents trying to sell you illegal arms on the corner. You should always be suspicious of everything. But yeah. when I saw the full exchange and I read more about how I guess Don Yi has like a military challenge reply code. That somebody had cracked. Did you see that part, Tom?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I, I I did see that. Look, uh, I mean, Borges, Borges didn't do his job. But the villains in this are the guy who set him up and the Boston Sports Talk radio host who encouraged him to do it.
0: So you're you're like uh, Ed Werder. You you still say pox on their houses for doing it because yeah. you really hurt a guy's livelihood for nothing more than a prank.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, as I read the transcript, uh, I, I don't know which the, the, the host was on Sports Talk Radio. There's so many weasels up there, it's hard to keep <laughs> track of them. That A guy basically said, let's screw up Ron Borges' day today. I mean, that's evil. That you know, is I evil. Now, the, the, I don't the, care what kind of personal grudges you have. Right. That That is evil. And I'm going to tell you something, Zabe. I know Borges very well, and he's a tough guy. And if this happened to me... I would. I would eventually confront have, that person. Oh, oh! I can guarantee you that, and we would have a discussion about right. what he did. Uh, however, Neanderthal that may be.
0: Right. Well, the response. I mean, <laughs> I,
2: I, I've already paid the price. Yeah, that's so.
0: right, exactly. But you don't want to go to jail for this. I mean, uh, this too shall pass. Borges has been suspended, has he? Or is he? or, or what's the story up there? Will this cost him his career? Really?
2: I don't think it'll cost him his career because, I mean, he has this whole other area of boxing expertise. He's probably still the premier boxing writer in the country. He writes for a lot of different websites and is a a contributor for a lot of other things, but he was a columnist for the Boston Herald. And, and look, the Boston Herald itself is on shaky ground. Uh, That's a paper that could fold any day. So he, he, that, that may, you know, just wind up. He may wind up being out of a job anyway if the paper goes down. So I'm glad to see he was suspended and wasn't fired right away. And I'm hoping people have compassion and take into account uh, years of, of you know, of good work. But you know, again, I'm biased in this because I'm very sympathetic yeah. to Ron Borges. And I mean, I just. I am so glad I don't do sports talk radio in Boston I mean you know I mean it just it just seems like a cesspool up there
0: well how about the story how about uh, Christian Fourier former tight end with his racist you know da- impersonation of Don Yee that got him suspended this coming on the heels of last week when one of the hosts called Tom Brady's daughter a little pissant it's mayhem yes. up there
2: yes and you know you think they were wallowing in misery up there all they do is win championships.
0: Not this time they didn't, Tommy. Not this no, time. They didn't. So back to the Borges thing. One last, I just want to take one last crack at this. The response from civilians who don't cover sports and don't understand the dynamic of information, sources, etc. would probably fall back on the old Bill Belichick line, which is, do your job. Don't complain that some radio host wanted to set you up or ruin your life. Your job is to verify the information. Now, in your day when you used to cover serious beats like the Mafia in Jersey, right, Right, Tom? Yes. When, 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 that, when those days were happening, there wasn't digital instant communication via text message. You had to actually talk to people. But we are living in an age now where nobody ever talks to anybody. So would it have been crazy for Borges upon getting this hot lead to say to Don Yee in a text, Don, I need to hear your voice first. Before I run with this, can I call you?
2: Well, at the very least, the last part of it, can I call you to talk about this? That's 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 the the call that you got to make. It's easy to say in hindsight to do. Right, right, right. But this this is such a big thing. I mean, this is such a, an out of, I mean, an out of left field kind of thing, an un Brady like thing to say he's going to hold out. It
0: didn't smell right.
2: Yeah, it just didn't. And and it's just it's too big. Now, the one thing that may save him and I don't know how it works at the Boston Herald or any paper these days in the old days, if you made a mistake as a reporter like this, it was hard to lose your job because there are editors along the food chain uh, that helps you enable that mistake, that would have to go to, you know, your... because they're, they're supposed to be gatekeepers to right. stop this from happening. Right. And there's not as many gatekeepers anymore. And there may not be any at some places, but there used to be three or four that when you wrote something that had to go through, to raise some questions about this so if something got through in the old days like that well then a lot of people would have to have their heads roll and that would yeah. wind up saving the initial guy yeah. i don't know what kind of safeguards they got at the boston herald these days yeah.
0: honestly lovey i'm of the mindset no one should lose their job over one honest mistake if it becomes a pattern if it was more than an honest mistake if it was a malicious uh you know premeditated sort of thing that runs counter to your profession then all bets are off but this Ron Borges should not be fired. Not He should not be fired in a media environment, Tom, in which ESPN is willfully pushing out stories that have no reality in, in, in fact or no basis in reality. Things like, you know, LeBron could go to the Warriors and then to churn through that all day long in all their talk shows. That's the world we're living in now. Borges got duped. That's too bad, but I, I think he got to go easy on him.
2: Yeah, and again... I mean if the guy is on the job for 6 months or a year, but I mean you're you're if you if you put in time on a job and you have built up a certain reservoir of goodwill with your employer, that should count for something.
0: It should count for something. Tom Laverro joins me here on the Zabe cast. You can get his podcast Cigars and Curveballs everywhere podcasts are distributed. Uh, remind me of uh, the seasonality of it, the weekly release, all that stuff, Tom.
2: Okay, it drops on Wednesdays. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Revolver Podcast Network. It's carried on the Washington Times uh, website and uh,
0: every Wednesday.
2: Uh, every Wednesday. Who's and your guest li- this week? My upcoming guest. Uh, I got a big one. Uh, Chicago Cubs manager Joe Madden.
0: Oh. Cubs manager
2: Joe Madden while driving across Texas and his Winnebago (laughs) on the way to Cubs spring training.
0: Fantastic. And you're on your way to Cubs, or you're on your way to spring training this week. And it is, I got to ask you about the unprecedented free agent freeze out of 2018. I think I heard 100 out of, approximately 100 out of the 160 players that became free agents are still unsigned. In other words, more than half are still unsigned as trucks of bubble gum and fungo bats roll south. Have you ever seen anything like this? And what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, what you've got here is finally a lot of clubs figuring out uh, budget, you know, payroll management.
0: At the uh, same time,
2: yeah, they all figure
0: of, this out all well, of a sudden.
2: A, a lot of well, you've got a group of teams that are trying to get better by, and you can call it tanking, or you could say, you know, <laughs> going for a. Uh, 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 Dumping salaries, although the Marlins are very extreme.
0: Strategic. No I'm going to call it strategic losery. Would be the yeah. gentler term to tanking. strategic losery. Okay, there's a handful of teams that do that. There's a handful of rich teams that want to get under the tax, right? So right. they're shedding, right. which,
2: which which has basically served as a salary cap, the luxury tax, uh, that that they don't want to have to pay. And quite frankly, the the issue should be with the players' union. Uh, you know, to have a system like this in place where, uh, you know, basically you you have these free agents, these mid-level free agents. The way the system is now, it, it either, you know, uh, favors the kids who are on six years or right. six years of their contract or the big money make free agents. Other than that, the guys in the middle are sort of caught. And I think their problem is with the union. As much as the as the baseball owners, I think the agents are kind of embarrassed and feeling the pressure from their clients, and they're the ones that made the noise here. The union's in a tough spot right now, because the union is run by a former player, Tony Clark. It's not being run by any kind of labor lawyer, or or hard-nosed negotiator like it has been in the past. Right. You know, you went from Marvin Miller to Don Fair, uh, and then you know, right now it's run by Tony Clark who's a former player, and I think he's under a lot of pressure right now. To He might be in a Gene Upshaw situation, maybe seen a little bit too friendly with the owners uh, because he was part of the game, maybe not hard-nosed, cutthroat, cold enough to do battle with the owners. So the union's in a tougher spot than the owners are, I think.
0: So if you're going by the theory of, Teams are figuring out what guys are worth, and they're coming to the consensus that, you know, most of these guys aren't difference makers. So why bother? How come it happened all of a sudden? Like last year's free agent market was not like this, was it?
2: No, no, it wasn't, and I suspect next year's won't be because you're going to have uh, a couple of huge, uh, big ticket free agents uh, on the market, and Manny Machado
0: and, Br- and Bryce and, Harper, and
2: Bryce Harper. Right. Uh, but, you know, it also comes down to the uh, tidal wave known as Sabermetrics and and people uh, front offices using these figures and these formulas to figure out what a player's value is. And I mean, this is just in the last three years, it's really taken off. I mean, the culmination of it this year with the Houston Astros, the ultimate one of the ultimate sabermetrics teams, went in the World Series. And, you know, the formula for value is different than what it used to be. But and somebody has that-
0: to have good sabermetrics. Like, it seems like they're using advanced analytics or sabermetrics to prove that everybody is not that good. Surely somebody's yes. advanced numbers would be like, holy shit, go pay this guy a ton of money right now.
2: Well, I think the idea is you have 25 guys on your roster who can contribute instead of maybe five who don't and then five who do and then a bunch of guys in the middle.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Did we save maybe money by waiting on Bryce Harper? Because I I know I was in the camp of lock him up, lock him up, lock him up. Just bring a Brinks truck full of gold bullion for him. Could it be that after this freeze out that we might be able to keep Bryce Harper at a less than punishing rate (laughs) or am I dreaming?
2: I think you're dreaming, but that's okay. It's good to have dreams. Got a dream it's baseball, right?
0: So you, know, you think like Bryce they, Harper's gone.
2: Like they said in the movie Diner, which you still have never seen. Working on it. If you don't have dreams, you have nightmares. <laughs> so so it's good to have dreams. I still think Bryce Harper is gone. Uh and you know what? There's life after Bryce Harper for the Washington Nationals. I always point to the Seattle Mariners after Ken Griffey Jr. And a rod in subsequent oh, right. years, right? And then won 116 games the following year without both those guys. Yeah. Now they lost in the playoffs, but they won 116 games. So if you have a good general manager, you can you can suffer you can manage the loss uh, of a Bryce Harper. The bigger loss would be the good general manager the Washington Nationals have, Mike Rizzo, whose contract is also up at the end of this year.
0: Yeah, and, and apparently the learners aren't really willing to pay for that either, or at least not break the bank for a GM. I don't get it with GMs in sports. A lot of these owners want to skimp on GM. Uh, look at what uh, Gil, uh, Gilbert did in Cleveland with their GM, and now this new guy's trying to swap things out left and right. I would pay the extra million for a guy that knows what he's doing, but I'm not an owner, so what can I say? Is there life after Dusty for you? Because I know you were very fond of old Dusty Baker. Still are to this day.
2: Look, he's a re- he's a respected manager throughout baseball uh and uh th- it was an embarrassment for the nationals
0: how it to, went down
2: yeah to cut him loose the way they did uh i mean given that that series was such an haphazard series with the cubs i had nothing to do with basic basically dusty baker joe madden had a worse series than Dusty Baker in, in that division series in terms of making moves. But he just he just lucked out and didn't have a Matt Wheaters meltdown behind the plate with his catcher at at it. Now now they've got Dave Martinez who's who's never managed before. Uh and you know he I mean I have no idea if he's going to be a good manager. He was Joe Madden's bench coach for years in Chicago and Tampa. But he's been passed over a number of times for managing jobs before, including in Tampa, where he had been a coach for years. Wow. And when that job was open, when Joe Madden left, you know, the race said, no, we don't want to hire you. Uh, I think he's going to have a hard time. I think it's it's managing in, in this day and age in the social media era requires a bit of media sophistication. And I know the Nationals have none as an organization. <laughs> and I don't know how much Davy Martinez has. But this team may be so good again that it might not matter who manages them. They just might win 90-plus games uh, again this year.
0: And my last precious quarter for the Tom lavero jukebox, and you can get his podcast, Curveballs, Cigars and Curveballs, everywhere podcasts are distributed. My last quarter for you, because I haven't talked to you in a long time, is is there life after Kirk? With the Redskins.
2: Well, again, there's life. But the question is, <laughs> is it quality, worth living? <laughs> the quality of life. you know. We're it, in a
0: vegetative like, state with this football team.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. You know, you don't need a feeding tube, but you can't get out of bed. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we're talking about here. Wow. Alex Smith. Uh, Look, I give them credit for at least having a plan that nobody saw coming that at least solidifies the position for a couple years and gives them cost certainty for for a couple years. It's basically, you know, the Ernie Grunfeld arsonist fire. That's uh,
0: exactly what I was thinking. This is very Grunfeldian in its nature. It's like, oh, shit, this didn't work out. Uh, Quick, let's go get this guy here. And that's what they've done.
2: they, they set the house on fire and then they put they put out the flames. I give them I give them credit for that. But again, and nobody wants to hear this. And the writers who cover the team don't pay attention to it. But this is real, Zave. It's the aura of self-destruction. <laughs> I mean, it, Trademark. It's like, ding, 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 ding. It, it's like it's like in, in Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum talks about the chaos theory. Right. It's the same thing. This and it's based in reality. This franchise has a track record of the last twenty years of 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 blowing itself up, of of, of self destructing. And until they prove to you that they're capable of doing otherwise, just like a player, you have to base what you expect on their track record. Yeah. So however good Alex Smith may be, they're gonna screw it up. You
0: know, many of us said to the Redskins who didn't listen, You've got a quarterback. He's good. He's really good. Just pay him. It's not a hard check to write, and yet every time it came for Bruce Allen to find his wallet or his checkbook, he couldn't find it. He was patting himself all over. I just don't know where it is, and it's made even more embarrassing by how quickly and swiftly the Niners said, Jimmy Garoppolo, boom, 20% plus the franchise tag number, we're off and rolling.
2: Yeah. Yeah, again, because, you know, I mean, John Lynch, who's been in the job for like five minutes, has figured it out more than than the Prince of Darkness, Bruce Allen. So uh, I mean, again, you know, uh, you don't want to pay Kirk thirty four million dollars and this whole this whole tag thing yeah. to try to like get a deal with him. This smells like the salary cap plan that that Bruce Allen had to to get rid of Barry's
0: contract. Yeah, yeah right.
2: that wound up costing him thirty six million dollars in salary cap penalties. So I look they they may accidentally go you know bump into a 10 win season here or there along the way but they've shown no ability to do anything other than what they've done and I don't expect it to change.
0: Very good. Describe for me the quintessential perfect moment when you first arrive at spring training in Florida to cover baseball.
2: Well, that will probably happen maybe the second night I'm there when I drive up to the Palm Beach Kennel Club and I look at the sign, and I say, I'm home, baby. <laughs> the dog track. I'm, I'm home. Is this the
0: same place that you took me to when we were in Miami?
2: No, we went to Hollywood Dog Track. That was a different one. This is up the road a little bit. This is the nicest one in Florida, I think. Palm Beach
0: the Channel nicest Club. dog track in Florida. I think that's yes. like the, the giantest midget <laughs> in all of Iowa or something like that. You know, I really enjoyed that trip to the dog track in Miami. That was a lot of fun. That was a real life-changing experience for me to see so many forlorn-looking people with tickets for dogs in a race. <laughs>
2: Good stuff. Absolutely. Great stuff.
0: All right, love you. Good to talk to you. Keep thriving as always, my man, and we'll check in again down the road.
2: All right, Dave. Great to hear from you.
0: Let's end with this today. There is a new ad campaign for a drink that has both made my life wonderful and awful all at the same time. Diet Coke. As part of its full brand relaunch in North America, did you know Diet Coke was having a relaunch in North America? They've got a new marketing campaign showcasing the brand's new packaging, modern design, and four new bold flavors. It's called the Because I Can campaign. Here's what the ad sounds like. Go ahead.
1: Look, here's the thing about Diet Coke. It's delicious. It makes me feel good. Life is short. If you want to live in a yurt... Yurt it up. I don't want to You want this. to run a marathon? Gotta i to mean, Google it. That sounds super hard, but okay. I mean, just do you, whatever that is. And if you're in the mood for a Diet Coke, have a Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Because I can.
0: There you go. The actress is Jillian Jacobs, best known for her roles in NBC's Community and the Netflix romantic comedy series Love. She is, she's, she's good, she's good looking, she's, she's, Actually, she's hot. She's hot as balls. And guess what? My nutritionist, Dr. Hillary, hates her now because I sent my nutritionist, Dr. Hillary. Not a real doctor. I call her a doctor. She says, don't call me a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I'm like, but you know so much. You're so good. Hold on. Everyone's going, wait a minute. You got a nutritionist, Abe? Yes, I do. I've told you people this. Well, then how come you're still the way you are? I'm working on it. She's really good, though, and, and, and we've sort of uncovered a lot of things about eating patterns and everything else. And I sent this commercial to her because I can, for one specific reason. Because through talking with my nutritionist, as she was asking me questions about, okay, so you know this is bad, you know that's bad, you know that's not healthy eating, why do you keep doing it? And I think I just kind of blurted out something to the effect of, because I have a car, I've got money, I've got time before the show to stop at PF Changs or stop at Elevation Burger or stop at Spinfire, and I can, and I like it. Now that would go to the whole Diet Coke thing of, you know, you do you as a saying.
1: Coke, is. have a Diet Coke. Diet Coke.
0: Oh, sorry. Where is it?
1: Do you? What you have-
0: do you. Well, you do you is a very cliched catchy bit of nonsense. Because me doing me has resulted in me being overweight, unhappy, tired, miserable, etc. And I'm trying to break out of it. So as we were talking through this, she said, look, you know, you have to change your thinking about how you eat. You can't just say, well, I'm going to go do this because I can. That's you're, you're lashing out at other things. You're trying to exert some sort of control or freedom Uh, in substitution for something else in your life that you know you're you're doing through eating and i was like ah get out of here it's just good it's just very tasty i just really like a bacon barbecue elevation burger with their fries it's just delicious she looks at me she's like okay that's all you think and so i thought about it i was like yeah yeah i think there is definitely some element to that and this is what the commercial is doing this is what the rebrand is doing it's It's not saying Diet Coke is good for you. And yeah, if you're Jillian Jacobs and you're very healthy and she probably eats insanely healthy being in television, being a woman who has to keep an eye on every single calorie that goes in her body, once in a while, if she has a Diet Coke, you're right. Not a problem. When guys like me have nothing but Diet Coke all day long, that's a problem. That you can't just say, well, you do you. Hey, life is short. Yeah, well, it'll get shorter if I don't stop drinking this can of chemicals known as Diet Cake. The struggle continues. That'll do it for today. Thank you for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Leave a positive review. Harangue people on message boards to listen. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. And, of course, have a great Tuesday, or have any Tuesday you want. I'm not going to run your life, and we will see you next time.